Welcome to the Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your fun and friendly host. We're in episode one of season four, the very best one yet. We are kicking off season four with a special, special guest. So I'll keep the introduction short. We'd like to welcome the show Alex Hunt. Alex is a New Zealand native tennis player. Born with only one arm, he has made his mark in Division I tennis at St. Mary's College of California before finding his way into the pro ranks. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, shark attack though, wasn't it? Uh, uh, what was that born with no arm thing? Shark attack. <laughs> oh, no, no, one arm, one arm. Yeah. Uh-oh, we got to be on the radar now. Yeah. <laughs> but we are excited to have you on the show, Alex. As all of us know here in the, in the States, uh, National Tennis Month is the month of May. So I'm excited to learn more about your story. You know, learn from the best in the sport of, sport of tennis here. So uh, to get the ball rolling, no pun intended, can you briefly introduce yourself and what you do on your daily grind? Yeah, I'm, I'm Alex Hunt, as you said, from New Zealand. Um, I was lucky enough to, to get a spot over in America in a college there um, and then continued playing in the, in the lower level professional stuff or at least tried to. Um, and yeah, tennis is what I love. It's what I do. It's my passion. And there's nothing, nothing that makes me happier than getting out there and grinding away on the tennis court um, and trying to get better. You're a true daily grinder out here. I was going to say in the States, but no, you are, you're located in New Zealand right now, which is great. We'd love to expand our global audience as always on and off the court. So yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question too, or initial one that a lot of our listeners tuning in today's episode have is what started you to, you know, inspire to play tennis? family play tennis you have a background on that like tell us more yeah just um whole family pretty much plays tennis my grandparents used to play both my brothers i'm i'm one of three boys uh in the family and um yeah both my brothers play it's just a family sort of thing but i think the bigger picture is sport and um and getting out there and doing stuff we grew up on a farm so chasing chasing things around the farm or playing with the dogs driving motorbikes I think right from the start, as a family, we were just trying, kind of out there doing it, um, farmer boys, you know. And I guess that continued on to sports and getting on the soccer field and um, cricket. I don't know if you guys know what cricket is, but uh, yeah, all sorts of things. I just love sport, love getting out there and giving things a crack. Yeah, I was going to ask too, like at a young age, you play a very, you played a, a variety of sports. Did you think that helped keep that balance and not get burnt out, you know, as you continue to grow older and then you obviously developed your tennis skills and to where you're at today? Yeah, I think so. I, the the v- variety of skills and the difference between team sports and uh, single, single sports, you know, individual, I think just mixing it up throughout is such a good thing. You learn so many different things that you might not have learned if you just stuck to that one sport. I think I 
kind of singled it down to one or two when I was 14 or so, um, and then singled it down to just tennis maybe at 16 or so. Um, but obviously, that's just chasing it as a dream. I still played other sports for fun and stuff, but yeah, I, I, I think, and, and I've done a bit of coaching in the last year or so, and I always try and get across to the kids that you don't want to single it down to one sport too quickly and burn out. And you play sport because you love it, first of all. Um, and for me, that's the most important thing. Did your family also have a c- competitiveness within as well, I assume? Yeah. Mum's Mom, quite the competitor. Um, and Dad's kind of more the chilled out, sort of just loves to play sort of guy. Um, he's got all the talent. And, and probably and Mum are the ones with the least amount of talent and we just want to win. Um, and then my other two brothers are pretty good players as well. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see how the family the family is. And it was fun growing up with, with the brothers. It was really competitive. There's a few fights and things up at the up at the tennis court. And I guess we were targeting who we could beat and trying to pick as the youngest. I was the youngest one, and I was trying to pick them off one by one. And now I'm happy to say I can take them all down. <laughs> <laughs> really well said. You brought the best. We brought the best hunt on on the today's show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in all serious though, like you being uh, from New Zealand, what was like the progress like getting into the collegiate level, playing on the D uh, D one side? Can you tell us more? Like, kind of just take us, rewind us back. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was quite scary for me. I was from a real small town, off a farm. Always lived away from people. Obviously, went to a went to a school and was around friends and lots of people but um i think the scariest thing for me was leaving my safe place and and where people knew i had one arm and people knew what i did and um small town everyone knows everyone and going off to a place when where i knew no one i didn't know the coach didn't know the players wondered if i was good enough you know there were so many doubts in my mind this coach this team they're taking on a kid with one arm and um, do I deserve a spot in the team? There was just so much stuff going through my head. Um, but it was honestly, the moment I got on the plane and got there, obviously I was shit scared, excuse my French, but it was such a big moment to grow up and kind of understand that you just got to chase what you got to do. Um, and I think from there, I was in a bubble over here where I was so safe. And as soon as I got out of that, I was just living life and, um, grew up, learned a lot, and and absolutely loved it. It was the best thing I could have done. That that's great to hear again. Taking risks and uh, giving yourself the opportunity, the chance to you know prove yourself out there, uh, influence a lot of other people in and outside the sport, uh, including us on today's episode. Uh, yeah, talk about uh, as well, like um, how like playing on the te- college team. Like, is there comparison? similarities and differences like playing you know in the u.s versus um where you're from originally in terms of i guess the college level or just in general yeah i think the coolest thing for me was um that everyone in the team wanted to get better and we had a great coach uh the atmosphere you had when you go to trainings from my hometown i was more like me and a couple other kids or often even now like i'll be down on the court and it's just me and my parents kind of trying to get better and working on things and there's no there's not the same atmosphere so that's one thing i really loved over there the team atmosphere making noise having fun joking around but working hard was the was the coolest thing 
um, and knowing that we're all going out there every day to try and get better. That's what I really lapped up. But as I said, there was those fears and those insecurities about whether I'm good enough to be there. Um, and I think even now, those things still happen. I've been questioning for the last couple of months whether I'm too old to continue playing, what people are going to think about me going back on tour at 28. Yeah, just a whole bunch of things like that since the COVID thing hit. And I'm, I'm starting to realize that it's, I don't know, I, I caught up for a coffee with my friend and, and I came away from that thinking everyone's on their own journey. Um, and if I win another match or not, it doesn't define me and what I am, you know. So for me, that's a big thing. And I'm looking back at all these years and all the fear and the, the, the negative thoughts I've had and insecurities and thinking, holy shit, like that's, that's just things that are going to hold people back. So that's something I want to do um, now as well. What, when I go back out is, is share my story and, and even the negative parts. I'm so used to sharing me hitting balls and training and the good things, but I want to start kind of looking at how I can share some of those kind of darker thoughts and things. And, and, and I think those are the things that could help other athletes and things, you know? Yeah, really well said, Alex. And just talking about perseverance and overcoming those challenges propelling yourself to such a high level too i think it's really important to talk about as well as people you know involved in sports not just tennis but training to i'm a big avid runner so you know trying to hit a pr my personal best on an upcoming race or something but talk about can you talk about to like obviously you have to physically train but mental training as well did you happen when you're on the team or even to when you're in these pro matches as well like the importance of it yeah and and that's one of the biggest things I've learned in the last two years, mm -hmm. um, I've had two years where I haven't really played at all. I've just been coaching and um, I would I would say negatively stuck. I've been a bit stuck in what I want to do and, and how I can get back out there and play. Um, from New Zealand, we're quite locked, locked out of the rest of the world at the moment. But I was having a few struggles mentally um, about if I'm going to be able to play again, um, what people thought of me in New Zealand, I don't know, a whole bunch of things. So I, I went and saw a sports psychologist partly for that, but partly to help me in my coaching and when I, if, if and when I can get back out on tour and play matches. And the thing I've realized is, oh my God, like I wish I'd done that earlier. The things that those guys can do to help um, and, and get you to realize that, yes, I might be insecure or worried about what people are thinking about me playing, but, but what's the point? Like, half of these guys aren't even don't care about you so why why are you thinking you're a big enough person that they're worried about what you're doing on the court you know so that was a big eye-opener um my psychologist my psychologist my sports psych is a legend and he was just like bro who do you think you are like no one cares about you and I was like oh shit that's awesome like that's completely right you know um you, you build up this thing in your head that people are talking about you or negative things or but everyone's doing their own thing. They're all, they're all on their own journey. It's not, it's not a case of them thinking badly. or um, So, yeah, that's something I've been going through. Um, and the mental side of things, I think that's something that I've probably worked on the most over the last year or two and something that I'm excited to get back out and try and put into, into my matches and see how it goes. Coaching's the other thing that's been massive, um, teaching through 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 my experiences and things, but I feel like when you teach something, you see it from a different 
perspective and then you can take it to your own game so i think i've improved without training for the last uh last year and a half so yeah i'm excited and um i think mental side teaching learning through that it's just been such a cool experience yeah i was going to touch on ask you about your coaching experience so far to date do you think you know your playing experience what you've done on the court can really the lessons that you've learned can tie over now you can teach a lot of people I, I don't know your demographic or who are you serving right now on the coaching side but do you think there's some crossover and do you see similarities in people that are younger than you <laughs> in their yeah, journey for sure mm-hmm. um and and just taking all the little nuggets that you've learned um I always I always kind of quote that I've been at university for the last 20 years learning tennis. Um, And you can think back to when you were 10 and and what you learned from someone and take things from all over the place. Um, One of the coolest things is when you go on tour, um, obviously it's like the lowest level of pro tennis. So you're around a whole bunch of guys that are trying to make it. um, And you make friends, you you kind of, you start to figure out how to coach yourself and how to coach others and help others. And I had a really cool bunch of people that I that I met, and we were all trying to help each other improve their game. And I think that's the stuff that sticks, and the stuff you learn from that, and you can take it back to coaching, um, which which I've done. But also bringing in things from the psychologist to my kids, um, and even just them maybe seeing that I can do it with one arm, um, just that ten percent of maybe inspiration from the over thirteen year old kids that are seeing me out there giving it a crack. I hope that that can help inspire them, even on the court when I'm coaching them for a couple of hours, you know? Yeah, tell us, uh, can you remind us back to, like, you know, being being on tour here, uh, making your mark uh, on the pro scene? Like, you're, do you recall or do you have, like, really good memory of, you know, first ATP point, like, match specific, first win on tour, like, the, the motions that came around with it? Yeah, uh, 100%. I think... In Guam, I got lucky enough to get a wild card. I'd had a couple of decent results in the, in the weeks leading up to it. Uh, and they snuck me in there and got me a wild card. And then I managed to win that first round, which was pretty special. And just probably the realization when I talked to my parents and my coaches and stuff that I was on the ATP rankings alongside people like Roger and Rafa and all them kind of guys. Although I was... 1600 spots down (laughs) i was still on that same ranking um table so that was really special um and to be able to share that over the phone with my parents and people that had helped me get there i think the negative that came from that is again probably some of the insecurities and questioning whether i deserved it i got a wild card why didn't the other guy get a wild card um and yeah I, i really wanted to back that up and get another point um, just to kind of prove my case, but it's not about that. I've I've kind of come in the last, even again in the last month or two, I've come to the realization that you put yourself in the position through however you got there. You put yourself in that position, and and then you got the job done. So you did deserve it. Um, which I've only mm-hmm. five years later, I've come to the realization that maybe I did deserve it. I worked my whole life for it, and. Yeah, I still want to get it, get back out there and, and prove to myself that I can do it again and I can and hopefully with with some goals get better and see how it goes. 
Yeah, we're really goal-driven on this podcast. So, again, you're shedding light in this area. Great example to our young daily grinders out there in sport looking to level themselves. And if it's tennis or another area, uh, I was going to ask, too, you kind of teed me up for the the five-year question. Like, looking back, like, I don't know, pre-college or, uh, you know, during university days, did you foresee yourself, you know, being where you are today in in the sport? I I, I don't think, well, I always had the dreams and things. Um, mm -hmm. I had dreams higher than what I've done. Obviously, I'm not stoked with how everything's gone. You always want to do better than you did. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the really interesting things is when I was back playing college tennis and even all the years before that, I played with my prosthetic arm on. And I guess my whole life growing up, my parents did such a great job, all my friends of, of making me feel included and the same as everyone. Um, so I grew up just, I didn't even know I had one arm and played all through college like that. Whenever someone said, cool story, special what you're doing, I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm just the same as everyone else. And it actually probably wasn't until I did get that ATP world ranking that I realized, oh man, like, I think that I can use this story to inspire kids and inspire people um, and show them that you can do anything with a bit of hard work. From that moment, I got interviews with BBC and all sorts of news people over the world. And, and yeah, that's where the realize, realization happened. Um, but I just continued on. And then it was probably a year and a half later that I fell over and hurt my arm um, and well, my stump and I couldn't wear my prosthetic for, maybe a week or so and I thought well I got to train I was there, I was in Bangkok with my friend and we were training for a tournament in Taipei and we were like well I got to train I just won't be able to serve so we trained off the ground and I was like oh my god like without my prosthetic on I feel so much freer and I feel like I can play and hit the ball so much better especially on my backhand side where I could just release and open up um I didn't have this extra thing on the end of my arm that was almost holding me back a little bit so I trained like that and then I went to Taipei and I decided quite crazily that I would do service games with my prosthetic on so I could throw the ball up um, and then when it was my turn to return and the other guy would be serving I'd throw my arm to the back of the court uh, people must have thought I was a bit weird but <laughs> I was doing that um, my opponent would see a prosthetic arm go flying to the back of the court and did that for a while and that was awesome and then I got back on the summer of tennis back here and you wouldn't believe it but I fell over again running for a drop shot and at this stage I wasn't wearing my arm because at this stage obviously I was playing with my arm off and unless I was serving so I fell right on the end of my stump and I had nationals coming up in about four days I think five days so again I trained with without my arm on and just decided I wouldn't serve and I was at training with two of my friends and we finished our training session and then they were like let's play some points and I was like oh I'll just sit on the umpire chair and watch you guys and, and dish out some banter um, and they were like bro just see if you can serve put the ball like in the in the elbow joint part and see if you can pop it up and serve and I was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and gave that a go and it worked I wouldn't say it worked amazingly, but it worked. Um, I could get the ball in in the court and start a rally. And then probably the next three or four days, I went out twice a day with a box of balls and 
worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. The family I was staying with helped me make like a little sock thing that would hold the ball a little bit better because it was a bit slippery. Um, and I've never looked back. That's that's kind of how I've been since then. So now I don't use my prosthetic at all and just feel so much freer. But the reason I told you that whole story is because I think now that I don't use my prosthetic at all, people see that I am different. And, and I think it's made me understand that, shit, yeah, I'm a bit different to everyone else. Um, but But it's a good thing because I can try and inspire and help other kids. Um, and I think the coolest thing is when I get messages from other kids with disabilities or parents who either have a kid or are about to be giving birth to a kid that's got a, got a disability, missing an arm or a leg, or those are the things that really get me. And that's why I keep going. And, and it's, of course, there's my own goals and my own dreams, but then this has become a huge part of my life, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's why we have you on the show today, uh, inspiring us on today's episode and outside the podcast too, making waves in the sport of tennis and even off the court as well. Uh, yeah. So we were talking off air, like you received hundreds of messages about uh, people trying to you know, achieve their goals. Like I mentioned before, we're really goal driven on this podcast. And we, we hope to inspire people each and every day on their daily grind and just talking about sport brings a lot of people together and uh, just having that drive. Like you mentioned before, do you ha- like what really drives you to continue to play tennis? And like, how are you able to stay, I guess, in sync over this past couple of years? I mean, the whole globe has been involved in this pandemic, uh, but really what's kept you motivated to continue on? I think that I think I think the fact that um, all the messages I receive and the fact that I've understood that it's bigger than just me. And if I can change one person's life and make them understand that having one arm or one leg or some sort of disability doesn't have to hold you back, that's that's the dream, that's the goal, um, and that's what keeps me getting up and wanting to play. I, I did, as I said, I did go through a tough time um, over the last two years being a bit lost and and not being able to to do that. So I got a little bit probably lackluster on sharing my story and things because it just I feel I felt like my story had been paused or stopped. I've come to realise in the last probably the start of this year, twenty twenty two, that even when I'm not out there doing that, I can still try and help people and try and inspire and and share my story whether I'm playing or not. Um but uh, that's that's the goal. I'm really excited to try and get back out there and um and and get it going again. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like really well said, and just continue on. I mean, a lot of us, pa- there. I mean, there was a brief moment where sport paused in general, the world of sport, and now we're finally up and coming or back at it at the grind, as we say. And even the sport of tennis, we've seen you know increase in great numbers in regards to people beginners starting new um learning something or getting back on back on their tennis court grind i guess you could say it in, in that point but yeah just speaking of the grind uh your story really cool can you share us a recent success story uh, whether it's on or off the court or a key milestone that, you, that you've hit to date i mean you've shared a lot of great stuff we could talk about your accomplishments uh more than just today's episode but uh something maybe recent or a great memory um, I think probably the most special thing is, the, and there's a few stories of it, but meeting these kids um, who are maybe a bit insecure about having one arm or their their personal sort of disability or 
or what they're having struggles with. Some of those things really stick out. Um, and just being able to hang out with them and show them that having one arm or a disability it doesn't make you that different and you can just own it and have fun with it. Um, I met a kid up in, up in a, our capital city uh, when I was at a tournament, he came to meet me. And when I first met him, I felt like he was almost hiding his arm um, and a little bit sort of worried about what I would think or what he, what people thought of it. And I kind of threw mine around joking and shark attack story and this and that, and how I just kind of shared with him how much I love my arm. And, if I had the choice to, to go back and take two arms, I probably wouldn't do it. And that your disability can give you a voice and kind of help you inspire. Um, and by the end of the session, he wasn't hiding it and he was kind of joking with me and he just looked, I, I felt like I could see a change in that 30 or 40 minutes um, after hitting some balls with him and stuff. And I've kept in touch and, and he's doing really well and he's playing tennis at quite a high level. and. That's the sort. That's the sort sort of stuff that keeps me going, and um, some of the most special things that I can look back on. Really well said. Again, thanks for sharing. Great example, motivating us on on today's episode. And just, I, I think it speaks for itself. You want to promote the what you're passionate about um, to that younger audience because you want to see them develop and become these future leaders hopefully just be just as good as Alex here sitting across from me, or I guess in this virtual setting. Uh, but uh, talking about our young daily grinders, our up and comers, do you have simple tips or some, uh, maybe some, some advice that you'd tell them, you know, if they want to make it to the, up to the next level in their sport? Yeah. Uh, well, the biggest thing for me, and this is not just in your sport, but in life is just to say yes to as much stuff as you can. And, and give everything a crack. I it's so easy to say work hard and like work a hundred percent every tra every training session. But yeah, you look back and you think, did I did I train hard enough at this stage? Did I do this? And it's just the classic: work hard, give everything you have got, um, and write down your goals and your dreams on the wall, and wake up every day and and see, yep, that's the trophy I want to hold one day, and that's what I want to do. But again, say yes to every opportunity and, and give everything a crack and, and things kind of work out. Yeah, just having that right mindset and being open to those opportunities, being able to uh, be comfortable with the uncomfortable, take those risks like you did. And I think, can, can I add one more mm -hmm. thing? I think being not okay with failure, but failure isn't always a failure, you know? Like I'm about to go back out there and test myself on the stage again. And yes, I might fail, but in my overall kind of life goals and, and my tennis goals, it's just another step, you know, it's, it's very, it's kind of, I don't like to look at things as a failure or a success, you know, it's like everyone's on their own journey, everyone's going to have a different journey um, and you just got to give it a crack. If things don't work out, you, you find another way and you go another way maybe, or you just keep knocking on the door and trying to get better. Yeah, I was going to say, like, when you talked to us earlier on in the episode in regards to, like, having those setbacks when you got injured or, like, fell down, like, you had that creative mindset on, and you're like, oh, I can still serve in a sense. Like, how do you overcome those, I guess, I don't know if you'd say that as a tough day or something that comes across your plate that wasn't expected? I think I've kind of got an awesome group of people around me, and that starts right at the core with your family, brothers that 
kind of would give me a kick up the bum if I was too scared to do something or didn't want to do something. And and then the friends, I, I put myself around the people I meet that are good enough and close enough to me to just be like, yo, give it a try, man. Like, what are you doing? Sort of thing. Um, I think that's what you need sometimes, just a little push or a little bit of inspiration or um, positive energy around you. Of course, you can create that yourself and have a great mindset, but I love the fact that you can put yourself around people like that who are going to help you get better and, and be there for you if, if you're struggling with something. Um, that's that's sometimes hard to do for people, but if you can seek and find positive people, then that's half the half the way. Yeah, really well said, Alex. I think that's great uh, key takeaways for our listeners on today's episode. It kind of leads me perfectly perfect transition here to my next question. On on your IG, we did our research as much as we could on the pod. Uh, you shared the quote: "Anything is possible with the right mindset." Elaborate more on this. Yeah, I think similar to what I've I've spoken a little bit, but just giving everything a go, um, and and I guess being okay with failure it's not really failure but not being able to do something straight away it's like going out on the tennis court with my coach and and trying to change my forehand a little bit or my backhand or something it's not going to be perfect straight away when I go out and play matches it's not I'm not going to win everything straight away it's just building blocks and trying to figure out how you can get better every day and I think that's one thing that all the top level athletes have um, Novak Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, they've all got 20 odd grand slams and they're all going out every day trying to get better. From the moment I first saw Rafa Nadal to now, he's a different player. He plays differently. He's worked on this. He's figured out, oh, I need to flatten out this. So just seeing the way these guys are still working to get better. And then you look at yourself and you're like, shit, if they're doing that and they're trying to still better themselves, I, I can do it then. But I've got a long way to go. It's it's just about figuring out little bits and pieces of how you can improve. And that's in sport and life and everything. Yeah, really well said. I think say the same too, just outside of sport, like you said, in a business or career setting, uh, personal yeah. goals are not an athletic really, just being able to how to better yourself in each and every situation. I really enjoyed your, what you mentioned earlier, Alex, in regards to looking at failure not as always a negative thing um we learn from mistakes or challenges that come our way so if it's on or off the court whatever the case may be i I think that's really important for our our listeners to hear today looking ahead in your future grind what do you still hope to accomplish in the sport of tennis uh going forward yeah i think just to see test myself against the against the best and see if i can get back to to the level i want to be and improve and Obviously, the dream is to to get a world ranking and see how low I can get um, or how high, I guess, in the world rankings I can get. Yeah, and, and, and again, then the bigger, the bigger life goal is inspiring and changing lives and, and maybe once I'm done playing is sort of doing a little bit of public speaking and things, um, which I've dabbled in a little bit. I don't quite feel uh, like I'm happy enough to talk about my sort of small successes now because of course I want to do more and do better and I don't feel like I'm done with that journey yet so that's sort of something I want to try and maybe get into down the track but yeah not not too sure where it'll go that's great you're giving us some teasers here on the pod we'll have to get you back on the show (laughs) sooner than later best is yet to come yeah speaking of our podcast 
It's called the daily grind. What does the daily grind mean to you? I think just kind of the grind is, it's a word, it's a term used in tennis quite often, obviously grinding on court, training, um, just the grind to get better at what you do. And grind, the grind, you can love the grind and I love getting out there and doing it and sweating and being in some of those hot countries and, and just putting the work in. And when I, when I feel like I have a big grind, I walk off the court and I've got nothing left. So that's that's probably what the, the daily grind means to me. Um, obviously, you need your daily grind weekday off or something, Sunday off to, to recover. But um, yeah, I just, I just think grinding is working your butt off and trying to get better and yeah, having a plan. Yeah, for sure. Really, really well defined there, Alex. Uh, again, true daily grinder out there on and off the court, inspiring us uh, on today's episode and uh, after the podcast too. So in closing here, we, we talked about your daily schedule. You have, you have quite the grind going on <laughs> over in New Zealand. What do you have? What's on your, uh, what's on your radar later this year? You know, back half of 2022. Yeah. So penciled in to hopefully get over to Australia. I think I said earlier in the podcast that we've been sort of locked into New Zealand. We haven't been able to travel or if we did travel, we have to go with the, with the idea that we can't get back into New Zealand. Um, so I decided I'd just kind of stay here and coach and, and try and better myself in other areas, which has been cool. But now that things are sort of beginning to open up, I've penciled in the, the goal to get to Australia in, in April at some stage and um, get some training under my belt. Obviously, I'm training here, but get some real good hitting and, and kind of point play training and um, get used to the climate, the warmer climates and stuff, and and then play some money tournaments over there. And then after that, uh, if the world's open enough for me to, to go and travel, um, play some futures and some money tournaments in Europe or America or Asia. So that's the goal. Um, and just fingers crossed that, everything keeps on improving with the COVID situation and we can open up more and more. Yeah, really well said. Uh, yeah, we're looking positive outlook ahead in, in regards to travel and just in general for uh, world of sport and, and everything else. We will be cheering virtually you here on the, on the podcast with your upcoming tennis events and what's on, what's on the radar. Speaking of your story, Alex, very inspirational. Do you have a word of the day to motivate us out there or even a quote or a saying? The Splash Bros are back. Steph Curry, 16 three-pointers, I think, in the in the NBA All-Stars game yesterday. That's the sort of thing that can inspire anyone. So um, I don't know. I don't have a word, but just you can look at so many people around the world and, and get inspirational sort of thoughts or, or feelings from it and – Steph Curry is a legend and he inspired me yesterday with what he did. Wonderful. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think that I think that fits perfectly uh, with uh, today's your story, what encompasses, uh, you know, being inspired by us out there, our, our daily grinders like yourself in the, in the world of sports. I think that's important and it helps propel us to achieve our goals or work towards them. So, yeah, last but not least, Alex, if our listeners have questions, comments, want to get in touch with you after the show, how can I do so? Uh, Instagram is probably the best. It's the Alex Hunt with an underscore at the end. Um, and then on Facebook as well, Alex Hunt or Alex Hunt Tennis. Um, and yeah, feel free to flick me any messages or follow along and see my story. 
Yeah, for sure. We will put Alex's contact info in today's show notes, as always, so we can follow him on and off the court. Uh, thanks again for tuning in today's episode. A big thank you to Alex for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Grind Pod. Please also remember to visit our website, www.kjfwi.org, and shop our merch. Until next time, my name is Kelly Johnson. Have a great day. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian. And that's a wrap. Nice job. (laughs) Boom, made that happen.